Welcome to this fresh manna. Overwhelm me. Exodus 18, 17 to 18. What you're doing is not good, Moses' father-in-law said to him. You will certainly wear out both yourself and these people who are with you because the task is too heavy for you. You can't do it alone. To be overwhelmed is to be buried under or drowned beneath a huge mass of something like water, to be swamped, engulfed, submerged, and inundated with difficulties, challenges, and problems. At least, this is how most people will define it. But at other times, we may be overwhelmed by positive things and be flooded with love, compassion, well wishes, and more. And at other times, our feelings and situation may overwhelm us and have a strong emotional effect on how we react to things. God overwhelms us daily with his character, love, and faithfulness. He constantly over overcomes us with his move to stay our faith and trust while effectively touching our lives to impress his word and laws on our hearts. We get overwhelmingly paralyzed and powerless daily by life, like a heavy object sinking in a great ocean of hopelessness. It's overwhelming enough just to deal with the stresses and problems of the day and our immediate circumstances. But if we could look into the future, we would be overwhelmed by all the obstacles we have yet to face. The waters of troubles, grief, or stress of then tricks us into thinking there's no way out. However, this is not reality. God promises to be with us, guiding, comforting, energizing, and restoring hope. With God's help, the word of God, and trust in God, we can overcome overwhelming situations whenever possible and try to deal with them before they even become catastrophic. 1 Samuel 13, 19-22 tells us how overwhelmed the Israelites were with no blacksmith in Israel. The Philistines had taken over the production of metal that was probably needed for swords and spares. This, of course, overwhelmed the Israelites and put them at a great disadvantage. The Philistines had iron, weapons, powerful chariots and horses, which again overwhelmed the Israelites. But even then, the most powerful enemies are vulnerable before our God. They can become careless in their pride. God can also work in ways that overwhelm them. Time and again, God shows his people that his mind overcomes even the greatest enemy. Psalm 42 verse 5 to 7 says we should not be discouraged. That is, not to allow anything to overwhelm us. And even when we are overwhelmed, we should thank God anyway. We must learn to praise God for his goodness and power, which take our focus off our problems and weaknesses and remind us of God's ability to handle everything that troubles us. Oftentimes, the most difficult task can be accomplished by consulting God, seeking godly counsel, and then dividing up the task and delegating responsibility to others. Unfortunately, when we get overwhelmed, we tend to shrink into ourselves or look elsewhere for solutions and relief. The forces of evil can seem overwhelming at times. Joshua and his army had no time to catch their breath. They had just defeated the kings of the south when a vast gathering of soldiers, horses and chariots appeared from the north. Joshua must have wondered, how can I keep going in, in Joshua 11.6? But God told him not to be afraid of them. When you are afraid, the kind of courage you need comes only from realizing how powerful the God you serve is. Suddenly, the odds don't seem so impossible. No enemy can stand before him. God is more powerful than any force against you. Like Moses, we may be capable but still be overwhelmed by the magnitude of our responsibilities and calling. 
You may be going through an overwhelming situation right now that you're wondering how you ever come out of. Just remember that God's love is certain, consistent, ever-present, and victorious. So let God's love overcome whatever overwhelms you until you're overwhelmed by His love. Prayer, O Lord, overwhelm me with your love and compassion so that I don't drown in life situations. In Jesus' name, amen. Shalom. Welcome to today's Fresh Manner. Overwhelm me. Exodus 18, 17-18 What do they do so no good? Moses' father-in-law tell him. You go wear yourself out with all these people when they with you. Because of the task where you carry so, it's too heavy. And you no go feed one by yourself. Today overwhelmed, but today buried under or drowned under a huge mass of something like water. Today swarmed, engulfed, submerged and inundated with difficulties, challenges, and problems, at least this in the house of Bugo explainer. But for other times, we feel overwhelmed by positive things, and we go there flooded with love, compassion, and well-wishing, and more. And then for other times, our feelings and situation fit to overwhelm us and get strong emotional effects on how we react to things. God they overwhelm us daily with in character, in love, and faithfulness. In the constantly they overcome us within within move to stay our faith and trust while they effectively they touch our lives to impress his word in word and in law on our hearts. We they get overwhelmingly paralyzed and powerless daily by life, like heavy objects when they make us a sink for great ocean with helplessness. This overwhelming day so big when we say they make us feel deal with the stresses and the problems when they bring come our way daily and the immediate circumstances we they create. But if we look in for the future, we go feel the overwhelmed by all the things we go face, for the things we go come across. It said the water of life, of grief, stress, they often make us think, say, God no get way for us, or we know if we find it for ourselves. But the truth be said, this not be the reality. God promised to be with us all the time, to guide us, comfort, energize, and to restore our hope. With God's help, the word of God, and trust in God, we feel overcome any overwhelming situation whenever possible, and try to deal with them before they even happen or become catastrophic. First Samuel 13, 19-22 tell us how the Israelites and they overwhelm when they don't get blacksmith for Israel. The Philistines don't take over the production of metal and they not probably take away the, all the things they go take make sword and space so the Israelites don't get anyone. This one can cause them to be overwhelmed because of the advantage or disadvantage when they face. The Philistines then get the iron, the weapons, the power, and the chariots and the horses, whereas they no get that one again can make the Phil Israelites they overwhelm with the power of the, the power when their enemy they show against their own vulnerability. We feel we come careless of our pride sometimes, but God always is walking us through everything we go through. They can't use your own love to overwhelm whatever we go through. Time and time again, God don't shame people say in love they minded and anything we go face. Psalm 42 5 to 7 say, We not make we know they discouraged. That is, make we not allow anything to overwhelm us, and even when we do overwhelm, make we thank God anyway, because we know say through God and through our praise, God's goodness and in power could overcome anything we they face and our weakness. God goes and remind us, say all the power and ability they in hand to help us come out for anything we they face. Sometimes the most difficult task we would face so now make we just live and live and for God's hand, make we seek godly counsel, and then make we let the task 
the delegation the responsibility to other people. Unfortunately, when we they so overwhelmed like this, would they either they shrink into ourselves or would they go look for somewhere else for solution and for relief? The forces of evil feel make us the same things like old day overwhelming sometimes. Now so Joshua and the army then feel that time when they, they defeated when the king then come against them. All the gardeners, soldiers, and horses and chariots will appear from the north. Joshua must wonder, say, how in good take carry on for chapter 11, verse 6. But God tell him, no, make it no fear. Whether he fear or no fear, make him remember, say, the courage you mean get so, that the one in good no say, in your own God, powerful past every other God. Suddenly, the odds no can seem impossible again. No enemy fee stand before God. God, they more powerful than any force will come against us. Like Moses, make we, they, we, make, we feel they capable. But still, we go be overwhelmed by all the, the wahala, the magnitude, and the responsibility of our calling. But make we no fear. Because whatever they go through right now, whatever situation we go through, we do wonder how we want to come out of them. Make we just remember, see, God love us in love this setting, consistent, ever present, and victorious. So let God's love overcome and overwhelm you instead of you today overwhelmed by everything they go through. Make your prayer be, O oh Lord, overwhelm me with your love and compassion. So that I'm not going to drown for all the situation I face right now. In Jesus' name, Amen. When I do. Welcome to this fresh manner. Penuel, Genesis 32, 24-32 And Jacob was left alone, and the man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint, as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why? Is that why you ask why you asking my name? And then he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God's face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his heap. Therefore to this day the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of dye that is on the heap socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's heap on the sinew of the tie. Why was Jacob alone? He sent everyone away and remained. God sometimes initiates circumstances to separate us from our self-will and self-sufficiency and most human support until we are left alone with him and can do nothing of our strength, knowledge and wisdom but depend totally on him. Peniel or Peniel means the face of God. Jacob named the place where he wrestled with God and called it the face of El, for I have seen Elohim face to face. It is obvious from Jacob's experience that not all physical altercation is physical or spiritual or vice versa. But Jacob physically wrestled with a human form, yet with supernatural and everlasting consequences. The face of God, or in modern day Hebrew, the, the, he turns to God, where Jacob obtained his new name, Israel. We must always need to learn to turn to God. There's always a victor in every spot, especially in spiritual wrestling. We are never by ourselves in any wrestling match. We always have the Holy Spirit on our side, Jesus Christ interceding for us, and the host of heaven defending us. Verse 31 is a connection to 2 Corinthians 12, 7, which says Paul was touched with a thorn, just as Jacob was touched with a limb 
when he encountered the Lord. An encounter with the Lord will leave God's chosen vessel with a thing to make them not self-dependent on their strength and wisdom, but pushes them to lean on God. Jacob's lameness was to keep him mindful of his mysterious sin in verse 31, as Paul's thorn kept him humble. Brokenness is a key to blessings. We must be broken of pride, arrogance and superiority to be elevated by the Lord. When we come to Peniel, turning to the Lord to seek him earnestly and humbly, we experience the Lord's glory. Penuel is a place of encounter where we wrestle and triumph for the Lord's help. It's a place of change. Jacob became Israel like Saul became Paul on the way to Damascus. Where they were both changed from the man they were that was not fit for God's use to one fitted for kingdom purposes. A place of discovery. Jacob would no longer be the man he was, the man everyone knew him to be, the schemer, deceiver and supplanter. He discovered Israel the man God needed to perfect his prophecy. A place of prevailing. Luke 18:1 and 7 tells us not to lose heart but keep praying, faithing and waiting until we prevail, no matter how discouraging and challenging it gets. Peniel is a place of preservation. The Lord could easily have destroyed Jacob for all his faults, but he preserved him for his purpose. Peniel is a place of perpetual experience. We, where we encounter the Lord, it is long-lasting, especially if there is something that reminds us of the encounter, like Jacob's limp. Each time we feel, think, see, or talk about our encounter, we use the reminder as a reference point. Peniel is a place of favor. Hosea 12.4 says, Although he prevailed in wrestling with the Lord, it was not in his might, but the Lord showed favor from Jacob's tears and prayer. The place of blessing. Jacob's encounter with God changed his perspective and opened new opportunities for him, as well as establishing God's plan and purpose for Israel. Keep seeking his face. You too will prevail. The, pay, the place where you are is Peniel. Prayer. Thank you, Lord, for promising to show me your face and glory when I seek you. Help me to encounter you daily in Jesus' name. Amen. Shalom. Welcome to the May's edition of Zerah, Sowing to Life and Eternity. The Bible contains many references to sowing and reaping, and here are some of the principles we learn. Sowing and reaping are laws of the natural world. On the third day of creation, God commanded the earth to bring forth living plants, bearing seeds and fruit with seed in them. Genesis 1.12, the NLT translation says, the land produced vegetation all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seed produced plants and trees of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. God then gave these plants as food in Genesis 1.29, the NLT translation again. Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. From the beginning of the ages, we've understood the process of sowing and reaping, and have applied it to our lives or daily lives. We sow materially, physically, emotionally, financially, spiritually, and for some people, agriculturally. We sow our time. That's when we use our time for something else that does not necessarily all the time benefit us. It's okay to see your time instead of money when that's the most essential thing you have. I equate my time to my life because every single second I sow into something 
is a second of my life that was not beneficial to me but to someone else. So your time is a precious seed. Sow it when and when necessary. As Ephesians 5.16 says, encourages us to make most of our time. That's sow it for yourselves into seasonable time wherever the opportunity is afforded or the work of God calls for your time. We can sow our money. The measure of money we sow will eventually return to us according to Luke 6.38 which says, Give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Not necessarily the person you gave to, but somewhere along the line, life will make it and align so that when you need something or the same amount you've been given, it will come back to you. It's happened to me several times. You can sow words. Yes, words. Those things that come out of our mouth daily, our words are seeds that will encourage and build up others, lifting, motivating, and inspiring them, as 1 Thessalonians 5.11 instructs. Sometimes our words can kill. Yes, we can demoralize, destabilize, destroy, and just shut off really killing someone physically with our words. But the words out of our mouth, they are powerful, and they are seeds. The people all over the world who were still living on yesterday's words, what mom or dad spoke into their life, what some teachers said to them when they were in primary school, in whatever level, what someone said is still ringing in some people's ears. Those, those seeds were sown at some times years ago, but they're still working in that field. They're still reaping the seeds of that, the harvest of that seed because they never bothered to change it. You can change your seed. You can make your seed useless. You can make your seed redundant. How? By not watering it. By not cultivating it. By not keeping it alive. So your words really are seeds. So we must be sure that when we sow seeds into the life of people around us, we sow godly seeds of love, godly seeds of counsel, of wisdom, of, of understanding, encouragement. Just let people know that you're compassionate about them. Yes, a word that will lift someone up out of weariness, a word that will encourage someone. Even the Bible tells us in Isaiah 50, that God will wake us morning by morning and put the words in our mouth that will minister to the weary. Some people just need a word from our mouth and that's the seed because you never know when you need a word to be spoken into you to encourage you, to lift you up, to move you forward, to motivate you and to inspire you. So use your seeds as words or your words as seed. We can sow our skills. So many talented people around. So many skillful people around, but they're not using it for any good, except if they're going to be paid for it. Yeah, we can sow our expertise to a cause. We can use our, our skills for a project that will help people, especially those in need. Because some of us right now, we think, what's the need for me? What am I getting out of it? If it's done for God's purpose, there's always something out for the, of it for you. It may not be when you want it. You may not understand when it comes back, but it certainly will come back to you. But your skills are given to you for the glory of God and the edification of people around you. So if someone is in their need of a skill and you have it, you don't start thinking of how much you're going to get physically, financially, but you think of how beneficial that skill will be to whoever is in need of it and whoever else will have to use it eventually. Our talents 
Yes, we see a lot of talents today all over the world, the musicians and the drummers and all sorts of uh, talents. But hey, a lot of them are going for pittance because why? They would rather sell the talent to the highest bidder than sow it as a seed to God. God gave us a talent in the first place. So your talent really is for God's glory and for God's purpose. So yes, you can sow your, your talent as a seed into something and hope that one day God will turn it around that you begin to harvest from that field, wherever the field is. Our emotions. Yes, you might look, my emotions are not seed. Yes, they are. Your tears, the Bible says, are bottled and God turns them into blessings. Some people just want to see how emotional we are when they're going through something, when you show someone that you empathize and you sympathize with them. The Bible says we should rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. But we sometimes the world we live in now, someone's going through hard times, they'll go, oh, that's good for them. Oh, I wish them luck. But really, we should let them know, I feel for you. I understand where you're coming from. Even if I don't understand, I still feel for you. I sympathize with you. I'm compassionate about what you're going through. I will help wherever I can help. That's your emotion. Sowing is more of a spiritual law than a physical or agricultural law or principle. It is a principle in life that we reap what we sow, as Galatians 6-7 says. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Yes, you don't put a mango seed in the ground and expect an orange tree. You don't sow wickedness and expect goodness. You don't sow malice and expect love. It's impossible because that's a principle of the kingdom. You sow and you reap exactly what you sow. So if you don't sow, you don't reap. That's as it is. It's a farmer who knows he has to put the seed in the ground during the, the planting season, decides, you know what, I'm too tired to plant any seed. I'll wait for the harvest. He's going to wait a long time. Why? Because there are no seeds in the ground that will grow to give him a harvest. He needs to first put the seed in the ground to harvest whatever needs to be harvested when the harvest time comes. There are natural consequences to all actions. The world operates under the law of cause and effect. Same way in the spirit. There is no way around it. Every time we choose an action, we also choose the consequence of that action. We may not reap instantly, but whatever seed we sow will eventually be harvested. The world say, oh, it's karma. Well, I don't know what karma is. Well, some people say what goes around comes around. Yes, something like that. Because you see, God uses the law of sowing and reaping to bestow his blessings. Some of God's blessings are generally for the whole world, like the sun and the rain. It's a blessing. Yeah, it just does not shine. God puts it there. The sun and the rain on everybody, both the wicked and the and the just. Everybody reaps it as Matthew 5, 46 puts it, saying, so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Hey, everybody enjoys the sun and the rain. And then there are specific blessings that, will, that God bestows especially on those of his choosing his children his special people such as isaac whom in genesis 26 12 says god he sold a crop and received a hundredfold in one season because the lord targeted him for a blessing now the funny thing about isaac's story is he actually sold in a time of farming when there was drought everywhere was dry and crusty there was no rain there was nothing that's when he sowed and the Bible says he got a hundredfold harvest for his sowing. 
because it was a season that God ordained. You see, some seeds we get in get God's attention faster or bring an instant or quick harvest more than others, but there will always be a harvest. Some seed become residual harvest for our children and our lineage and our bloodline, but we never know what harvest a seed will yield. So we must obey or behave as Ecclesiastes 11, 6, um, the TLB translation says, to keep on sowing our seed. For you never know which will grow. Perhaps it all will. Yep. Sometimes you just say, oh, just put all my eggs in one basket. In the world, you can't do that. But with God, you certainly can put all your eggs in one basket. Why? Because God's the only one who can keep your eggs in one basket without cracking. Spiritually, our seed must be planted in Christ to reap any sort of harvest. Galatians 6 8, the NLT says, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Yes. So when you sow a seed, you harvest that seed. You don't put the seed in a, in a dry place, forget about it, and then come back and expect a harvest. Not going to happen. The flesh is devoted to corruption, selfishness, and decay. So if our seed is always carnal, then we would have no harvest or godly lasting harvest to look forward to. Carnal seeds, carnal character, carnal attitude, selfishness, corruption brings no earthly reward, neither an eternal reward. We are sowing to, to life and eternity. What seed are you sowing? So we reap what we sow. Those who plant apple seeds should expect apple Apple trees, yes, those who sow anger should expect to receive what anger naturally produces. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Living a life of carnality and sin and expecting to inherit heaven is like planting thorns and waiting expectantly for sunflower or roses. Not going to happen. Sowing and reaping involves waiting. Nothing good grows overnight. The farmer must wait patiently to see the harvest of his labors. The laws of sowing and reaping works both positively and negatively. Because according to Proverbs eleven eighteen, the one who sows righteousness reaps a sure reward. Yes, but whoever sows injustice reaps calamity, says Proverbs 22, verse 8a. Seeds are very important to the circle of life. If there are seeds are not sown continually in every area of life, there will be no posterity in all sections. Yes, because what you do affects the next circle. And the next circle, it's a circle of life. So those seeds are important and they must be sown. Wherever your sphere of influence, whatever your talent, whatever your skill, whatever God has put in your hand to sow as a seed. He says he gives seed to the sower. So we must sow the seed. And as Jacob recognized in Genesis 42, 1 to 2, it says, when he heard that there was grain available in Egypt, he said to his sons, why are you standing around looking at one another? I have heard that there is grain available in Egypt. Go down and buy us some before we all starve to death. Hmm, there's grain somewhere, yet they are starving. Why? Because there's drought, there's famine in the land. So if they're going to go down to Egypt to buy food, it means they're going to make a journey and take money with them. See, the seeds in Egypt, but the money is in their pocket. Not good to them. The seed's not good where it is. The money is not good in their pocket. So seed must be sown for a harvest to happen. 
Life is a seed. Our words are seeds. Whatever we do daily are seeds. I have a habit of saying to the Lord, Lord, I've sown the seed. I've done this. I've done that. I said this. I said that. I went here. I went there. Can I ask for my harvest now? Can I ask for my payment? I need a payment. Whatever kind of payment the Lord deems fit for that seed, I always ask for it. Because you see, God does not change his rules, his principles, or his word. He says, whatever you sow is what you reap. So if I've sown into someone's life, my time, say I've given someone 20 minutes of my time, and I need 20 minutes to do something else, and everything else is clamoring for me to do something without me doing that thing, then I can go to the Lord and say, can you buy back my time for me and extend my time somehow? And the Lord does, because we sow seeds to life and eternity. Not only here, the seeds we sow, whatever seeds we put in the ground, whatever ground that is, it will bring a harvest if it's put in a fertile ground because the God we serve is a God that rewards diligence. So, whatever seed you're sowing, make sure is a seed that will bring you a harvest in this life and eternity. So make sure your seeds are not lost. Water them, keep them safe, nurture them, lovingly wait on the Lord and trust him to give you a bountiful harvest. Thank you so much for listening. Until we come your way next month, enjoy yourself, enjoy your life, and keep sowing seeds to life and eternity. Shalom.